We eat food that comes out of boxes, bags, and windows. We eat food-like substances. We are a country of people who are overfed and undernourished because we are eating things that are sold to us as food that seem like food because they're edible. And a lot of times they taste really good, but our body does not recognize them as food. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be, into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey y'all, welcome back to Hopeful and Wholesome. Today I have on the show Jen Trepek. And Jen is uh, really is a force of nature in the wellness space. She is an optimal health coach, a podcaster, a business consultant. And she's had quite the journey, her own personal journey, which kind of led her into this health and wellness space. And that's really what we talk about today. We talk about her journey, how she got here, and really what she's teaching her clients now based on this experience, like her kind of journey to get where she is. So we have so many tangible takeaways in this episode. Like she gives you so many good things to take with you. We talk about these five fat factors that really contribute to not only unwanted weight, but just like the the state of our health, right? Just overall. It really is a really good episode to get some takeaways here. I encourage you to take notes and maybe listen twice to make sure you get all the goodies that Jen leaves you with. I'm really excited for you to meet her. So let's jump in. All right, guys, let's jump in. I have on today, Jen Trepik, and she is an optimal health coach, a podcaster, and a business consultant. And we are talking all things nutrition and health today. And thanks so much for joining me today, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I love that you describe your podcast as a way to teach people nutrition education that we're all supposed to know, but no one's ever taught us. So I really want to dive into that. But before we jump into that, can you kind of just give the listeners a little bit of insight on how you got to where you are in this realm of what health and nutrition. Yeah. So I, like so many of us in this space, I got here through my own saga, I call it. (laughs) I feel like the word journey doesn't do it justice, right? But but I, I joke that I was the skinny one in a family of dieters growing up. I was a dancer and same. Oh, no way. (laughs) And then, you know, between high school and college, I started to gain weight, right? Like I was no longer dancing a million days a week and food changed naturally. Right. And I always ate well, like I ate vegetables, but funny enough, I remember in college eating in the dorms, And this was like way in the beginning. They were very ahead of things by putting like a calorie count on (laughs) foods, right? And I remember it was like a thing that just said like broccoli and it had like thousands of calories. And I was like, what did they do to the broccoli? (laughs) Right? So I was like, I don't understand. But what I did know is what my family did my whole life, right? Which was follow every diet plan under the sun. So when I started to gain weight, I was like, okay, I know what to do. There isn't a diet out there that I haven't done. My family hasn't done, or we don't know somebody who's done it. (laughs) And that's what I did. Gained and lost that roller coaster over and over. And funny enough, even when I learned about the program that I now 
teach. I was like, no, 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 that's okay. I've got my thing, (laughs) right? Like my thing was this craziness, but I was like, I don't need whatever you have, Mm -hmm. you know? And I remember, so I saw people who were following this program. And the first thing I noticed was that they were keeping the weight off, but still I'm like, I don't know. I've got my thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then this woman was telling her story of losing like 150 pounds. I don't know her name. I don't know where she's from. I don't know anything else. And I didn't hear anything else of what she was saying because everything she said after that, like it was like the teacher and Charlie Brown, you know, like no words (laughs) because I was like in my own head staring at her because I couldn't see where 10 pounds could have been on this woman's body before. Uh uh And she's telling me that the equivalent, like 150 pounds, like that's another person. Right. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And so I had a moment with myself, right? Like this was like Jennifer, right? Like I couldn't even use Jen. This is like a full (laughs) name moment. I was like, Jennifer, get over yourself. Like this is different. They clearly know something that you don't know. Right. Right. So I worked with a coach. I followed the program. It completely changed my life. Like the only thing that's allowed me to kick my food issues. And from there, I set out on a mission to pay it forward and help people help themselves with this information because I really believe that that's what it is. It's the nutrition education we're all supposed to know and no one ever taught us. And based, like I say all the time, you know, and like based on what we were taught, of course, this is where we ended up. Mm -hmm. How could Mm -hmm. we have expected to end up anywhere else? Yeah. Right. And this whole thing sort of coincided with the fact that I... I had recently graduated from college. I was living in New York. I was overqualified for my job. So I was bored to tears and looking for something else to do on the side with the intention of either building my own business or just making extra money to invest it so that I didn't have to work for somebody else for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know? And then these two things collided. I was like, this is the thing I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I just became so passionate about it. And I was like, well, why isn't this what we learned? Right. So, yeah. That's the not so short version of yeah, the story. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's perfect. No, I think it gives good insight about why you do what you do. And that's why I love that description that you you talk about. It's all the stuff we should know and nobody teaches us, right? So what do you find in you know working with clients and you know your journey through the health and wellness space and all that? Like, What do you find are some of the biggest pieces that we don't know, but we should know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a loaded question. <laughs> it is. It is. Take your pick. Right. I think one of the biggest things is we've been taught calories in, calories out. Mm -hmm. We've been taught fat creates heart disease, right? And eggs give you high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) these things are just fundamentally not true and not how the body works. And so in health class, instead of us learning anatomy, and how our body processes food, we were taught this food pyramid. Right. Right. Like, I don't know. I'm older than I look. I grew up, <laughs> right, like in, in school in the 80s and 90s. And like, we were taught the food pyramid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, right, like, it has like all those grains at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, P.S., no one on the planet has a grain deficiency. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's like 11 <laughs> servings or something, something outrageous. It's so like absurd. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, the craziest part about it is 
Well, twofold. One, to your point, right? It's not what we need. (laughs) And the nutrients, like if we go to the nutrition side of it, right? The nutrients that the argument is that we're getting from the grains, they are actually a very inefficient source of those Mm -hmm. nutrients. Mm -hmm. But it was really about that food pyramid was not about nutrition or biology or science. The food pyramid was about economics. Right. And listen, I worked in hedge funds. I have mad respect for capitalism, right? (laughs) Like there's a lot of things to it that make a lot of sense, but (laughs) it's a problem when it's in our food and that's what's happened, right? It was about, and the economics of it, just to be clear, it was about getting us to eat what we grow in this country. Mm -hmm. We grow corn and wheat and now a lot of soy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And so it was about getting us to eat what we grow, not about getting us to eat what our bodies need. Right. Right. Yeah. Because even if you look at the food pyramid, like, you know, the old school version that we saw in school, it's like, like the pictures on it. It's like at the bottom, it's not even like the whole grades. It's like pictures of bread. Like that's not even like, like there's a difference people and right. And the other, and, but it's absolutely confusing because they can write whole grain on the front of a package and it's not actually whole grain by the time you're eating it. So again, like, of course we've ended up here. Right. Right. So for everybody listening, like it's not your fault. You don't (laughs) suck. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, of course this is where we've ended up. And of course it's confusing because it's designed to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and if you dive deeper into, to your point about capitalism, what we grow, like so many studies and advertisements and marketing, you know, things we see in ads or TV or whatever, they're all designed for that purpose, right? It's not to tell us how to be healthier. It's to sell more of whatever it is that they're talking about. This study shows this and this, and well, let's see who actually did this study. And then we'll tell you, you know what I mean? Right. It's, a lot of really sneaky stuff going on underneath the surface there that people just aren't aware of. And for that matter, and I'm going to say this, although I know it's going to be controversial, so don't hate (laughs) me. Say it, say it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of big food companies make or give slash pay for, (laughs) give massive amounts of money slash pay for a lot of the dietitian and nutrition programs yep. and universities. Yep. Yep. And if you think that's not going to influence what's taught. Totally. I respect your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to say it. It's a great way to say it. No, it's so true. And I think I, I had a conversation with somebody that's on the podcast a few weeks ago. We were talking about that, like the clever marketing and stuff that's on packaging and stuff. Cause we were talking about plant-based since that's mm-hmm. kind of where I go. And, and I'm like, you know, anything, it, lots of people can put plant-based on a package, right? Totally. Well, Oreos. I said this last time, Oreos are freaking plant-based. Like, let's right. be real. Full disclosure, they didn't used to be. Some oh. of that used to be made with lard. There you go. Right. <laughs> They've so, advanced. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. But I always say to people, you know, all those labels. Yeah. Right. Tell me more about what you're not eating than what you are. Yeah. And what impacts your health and what impacts your outcomes is what you are eating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So cool. You know, whatever you want to call yourself, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we need to have a conversation about what is happening versus right. what's not. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think it, like you said, I mean, 
there's a lot of things at play that you're right. Like, what did we think was going to happen to our society and the state of health that we're, you know, that the majority right. of people are in? It's like, yeah, like we've, it's, yeah. And I, I do like that you, you talk about the five fat factors and that the, the factors that contribute to unwanted fat, right? And that's yo-yo dieting is another one. So you talked about your kind of experience mm-hmm. with dieting, but can you speak to that a little bit too? Because along with this clever marketing that we're all victim of, right? That's teaching us to eat the not the best things. What are some other things that contribute to that? Sure. So, you know, I talk about these as the five fat factors, but it's really about metabolic dysfunction, (laughs) right? One of the things that we've learned in all the research over the years is that our overall health is directly connected to our metabolic health. Mm-hmm. And really, the five fat factors are the metabolic dysfunction factors, right? But we notice it more when we've got fat on our body, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first one is yo-yo dieting. And I do want to explain it a little bit, not just because I did it, right? Like I went up and down and every time tried a different diet, right? But when we cut calories dramatically, you know, eat less, right? And try to move more, cut out whole food groups, you know, all of these things that we've been told to do, they work in the short term, right? The scale goes down for a little while. We get annoyed because it stops going down. Mm -hmm. We go back to old eating habits, the number and the scale goes back up. But what's happening internally in that process? When we lose the weight by crash dieting, cutting out whole food groups, you know, all of those things, When the number on the scale goes down, what we're actually losing is water, muscle, and sometimes bone. That's why it stops working after a little while. Then, because we get annoyed and we go back to these old eating habits, now we're eating more stuff, but we have less muscle on our body. Muscle is metabolically active. Muscle burns fuel. So we have less muscle on our body to be burning this extra fuel that we're now eating again, and we gain the weight back. But when we look at body composition, right? And by body composition, like what's that total number made of? What we see is that we might be the same number on the scale as before, but we are fatter at that same number. Mm -hmm. So in yo-yo dieting, gaining and losing and gaining and losing, we lose it as water, muscle, and bone, gain it back as fat. Lose it as water, muscle, and bone, gain it back as fat. So over time, We are fatter at the same number. Mm -hmm. So that's number one is yo-yo dieting slash just dieting in general. In general, right. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Number two, we used to call it garbage in, garbage out, but now we really, it's just processed food, right? We eat food that comes out of boxes, bags, and windows. Mm -hmm. We eat food-like substances, Mm -hmm. Right. We are a country of people who are overfed and undernourished because we are eating things that are sold to us as food that seem like food because they're edible. And a lot of times they taste really good, but our body does not recognize them as food. They are devoid of the nutrients that our body needs to function, right? We know macronutrients, those are the nutrients we need in large quantities, right? So protein, carbohydrates, and fat. And then micronutrients, right? Which are the vitamins and the minerals and the antioxidants and all the other things that we need. We don't get those 
from processed foods. And those foods also have chemicals in them that turn off our ability to manage our own volume, (laughs) right? (laughs) Manage that consumption volume. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's not you. You don't suck. It's not that you have no willpower. It is chemical Mm -hmm. that you can't have just one, right? Right. Those foods turn off our ability to know when we're full. And they are made to be exactly the right crunch and exactly the right sweet and exactly the right salty to make us want to keep eating. Right. So that's number two, right? The processed foods, the nutrient to calorie ratio is a problem. Right. (laughs) Right? And to your point, to interrupt you, to your point too, they're in those processed foods. A lot of those, like you're talking about the chemicals, it works in reverse. It actually like makes your body leach out vitamins and minerals yes. to be able to process all that. So it's like working in reverse at the same right. time. It's, right. It's totally mm-hmm. counterproductive. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the next one is sedentary lifestyle. So now we're number three, sedentary lifestyle. We, it's not news anymore. People are, have been saying for a long time, like sitting is the new smoking, <laughs> right? What's also created out of that, right? Because this sedentary lifestyle thing is not new, (laughs) right? Right. It is part of what happened when we moved into the information age, right? right? So what we've all done is adopted this gym life also, right? Where we go work out, we make sure we do an hour or whatever it is most days of the week. But that's also not human. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that. Right. So sedentary lifestyle is not saying, you know, make sure, yes, we need to move more. We need to have movement every day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's also not human to sit all day and go berserk for one hour. Right. Right. So what we want to do is make sure that we have regular movement and it doesn't need to be crazy intense and it doesn't need to be absurd and it doesn't need to be, you know, high intensity interval training all the time, every day. Like literally, if you took, you know, those two minutes between a Zoom meeting and <laughs> something else, right? You're like, what can I get done in two right, minutes? Right, yes, right, yeah, totally. <laughs> Here's what you're going to do. It's called 30, 30, 30, <laughs> okay? You're going to do 30 crunches, 30 push-ups, 30 squats. That's too hard for you. Do 30 leg lifts, 30 arm circles, you know, 30 tricep dips. I don't care what you do. 30 of three different things. I did this. I've been giving it to my clients for years, but I did a little thing on my podcast about it. And I I created like three or four of them, tested them all. They all took me less than two minutes. I didn't get sweaty. I wore whatever clothes I had on for the day. So like, you're not going to screw up your makeup. You're not going to screw up your hair. You're not going to screw up your clothes. Two minutes. Mm -hmm. If we did that a couple times a day, we'd be golden. Like it actually doesn't take much to get a little movement in our lives. Yeah. You know, P.S. If somebody schedules a Zoom and you're like, is it possible this could be a phone call? I'd really like to walk while we talk. Yeah, totally. Right. People are going to say yes. They're going to appreciate it, too. We're all sort of zoomed out anyway. Yep. You know, (laughs) it's just the little bits of movement that are going to make a huge difference because humans, right, just we're not designed to sit all day. Right. So that's number three. Number four sort of goes along with that, which is stress, right? And not just stress, but chronic stress, right? So 
we all understand stress, <laughs> right? And, and when we're taught stress, we're taught about that saber-toothed tiger that's chasing us, you know, and fight, flight, or freeze, right? Fight, flight, freeze, if I can get words out, saves our lives. But that process, right, that whole thing beginning to end in caveman life was like 20 minutes. In today life, we have that trigger of the start of that 20-minute process almost every minute, right? And we don't even realize it. Ever thought about something and gotten butterflies? right? That's a physiological response to something mental, right? We just think about something. So we think about a conversation we have to have. We think about a conversation that happened yesterday or that happened a year ago, right? The phone buzzes, stress response. The alarm clock goes off, stress response. Hit the snooze seven minutes later, nine minutes later, the alarm clock goes off again. We have another stress response because that's what we need, right? (laughs) We need to keep like pulling this trigger of the stress response over and over and over. And we don't even realize it. Even when we think we're managing our stress because we don't feel like we're living in chaos, Mm -hmm. biologically, chemically, our body is still functioning in the stress response. Mm -hmm. And what that has to do with our metabolic health and really our overall health and everything is that when we're in that stress response, right? Like we've all heard for years, cortisol is a stress hormone, right? So when we're in that high cortisol production out of the normal circadian rhythm of proper cortisol production, (laughs) right? (laughs) All systems in the body that are not critical to fight or flight or freeze shut down. So everything goes to our heart, our lungs, and our muscles. Well, heart's a muscle anyway, but right? So what does that mean? What's not getting fuel? What's not turned on our metabolism, our immune system, our reproductive system, right? Growing our hair, all of these other things in the body that take up a lot of energy. P.S. Your reproductive system takes up massive amounts of energy, right? Shuts off, like not even slows down, flat out off when we're in the stress response. So if our metabolism isn't functioning, but yet we're stressed, and so that stress makes us crave sugar, and carbs, because that's what gives us fast fuel to our Mm -hmm. muscles, (laughs) right? It all biologically makes sense. So we're eating this extra fuel because the stress is making us crave these extra things and crave the things that actually add fat to our body, (laughs) right? (laughs) And our metabolism is turned off because we're not running to flee the saber-toothed tiger. We're actually just sitting and ruminating over a conversation, right? Of course, we gain weight. Of course, we gain the weight as fat. So that's chronic stress. So pro tip, right? I guess I should go back to like the yo-yo dieting one to give you a pro tip there. But so (laughs) with the stress, right? When we're stressed out, if somebody walked in the room and scared you, right? And you gasp, you're like, (gasps) that breathing, right? A gasp is high in the chest and shallow, right? That breath, that's stress breathing. It's in the chest and it's shallow. Breathing down deep into the diaphragm. So when you breathe, think about your lungs expanding like an accordion, right? Expanding and contracting sideways rather than your chest going up and down. And slowing down the breath is a chemical signal to the body that the stressor has passed. So if we think about it, right? Like if you were running for the bus and then you make it, you sit down on the bus, 
And you start to breathe a sigh of relief and you start to slow down your breathing, right? So that's what we want to do. We want to make a concerted effort to use our breathing to send a chemical signal to the body that the stressor has passed. A great time to do this is three or four times before you eat. Anytime you eat, right? We're going to turn off the stress response. We're going to turn on rest and digest before we eat. And for those of you who are like, you know, the junkies out there, right? That also falls into the category of habit stacking, right? We add one habit to something that already happens so that it happens all the time. So what a genius time to turn on rest and digest (laughs) right before we eat. And we're going to eat every day. Please, God, eat every day. (laughs) So (laughs) many times a day, eat, right? So if we add this breathing before we eat each time, we're going to do it a few times a day. We're going to turn on rest and digest. It's going to help us with a lot of things. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah. So I'll go back to the yo-yo dieting one so that I can give you a a tip there really quick before I give you number five. So that one, if you guys are a note taker, write this down. Protein and fiber at every meal makes removing fat no big deal. Good. Protein and fiber at every meal makes removing fat no big deal. So protein is clean, lean protein. Whatever you want that to be. Plant, animal, I don't care, but clean, lean protein. Fiber is vegetables and sometimes fruit. Protein and fiber at every meal. The other thing that you also want to have every day, a couple times a day, is some quality fat. And so eventually I'll figure out how to get that into the sentence. But <laughs> in the meantime, protein and fiber at every meal makes your moving fat no big deal. I love that. And then fat factor number five, sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is so underestimated. It really is. In everything. Like, first of all, by the way, 90%, and that's not a scientific percentage, but 90% mm-hmm. of the things that we show up to a doctor for have sleep as an underlying cause. If we just remedied our sleep, mm-hmm. almost all of the symptoms that we have would disappear. Yep. It's also going back to the stress piece, right? Insufficient sleep, insufficient in quantity and insufficient in quality, mm-hmm. or I should say, or mm-hmm. <laughs> right? insufficient in quality, both act as stressors on the body, mm-hmm. which brings us back to number four, chronic stress, right? And so it's just this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I feel like, especially like I'm an entrepreneur, right? Like every book out there, every sleep less, do more, sleep when you're dead. I literally just in the day. Yes. I just did a rant on this on Instagram and Facebook the other day (laughs) because I kept seeing it and seeing it and seeing it. And I'm like, this is the worst advice ever. Like, why are people listening to this? And people buy into it. Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And there's so many things we want to do. I totally get it. Right. And I worked full time. I built my business on the side for 12 years. I get it. And by the way, my full-time job was also in hedge funds, which is PS not nine to five. I don't know anybody who has a nine to five anymore, but like that was eight to six sitting there on call Mm -hmm. six to eight. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Like this was 24 seven. Right. And I had my own stuff going on and I had life, right, <laughs> right? Right. So like, I totally get it. And I sacrificed sleep to get in a workout because the workout helped my sanity, right? I would feel better physically and mentally if I you know, got my workout in. 
But then there were days where I was going to bed at midnight and waking up at 5 a.m. to make it to a 6 a.m. workout. Mm -hmm. Like we do it and (laughs) we want to focus on sleep. Right. The quality of sleep, the quantity of sleep. So the place to, and by the way, there's no magic number on the quantity. I mean, generally we'll give the guidelines shoot for seven, seven and a half hours. For those of you who are sitting here going "Mm -mm, five, six, I'm good. I promise you, you're probably not. Right. Because <laughs> that right. was me. I yeah. thought I was good. Yeah. I was not. Totally. Well, <laughs> right? and I had a conversation with somebody in my DMs talking about that. Like, oh, well, I just don't need that much. And I'm like, yeah, but you do. <laughs> like, I don't need right. more than five hours. But, and I'm like, well, just give it another few years and then maybe see well, what, you know, what happens. You might think you don't, but your body does. Exactly. exactly. Right. Let's like, check all the levels and see what else is going under the surface when you say you just need five hours of sleep. Right. And our brain, mm-hmm. like it's trying to put this stuff into memory. It's trying mm-hmm. to connect the dots. It's, mm-hmm. you know, sleep is detoxification. Mm-hmm. Sleep is, there's so many things that happen, right? Yep. By the way, HGH produced at night. Yes. <laughs> so... As you said, you know, as we age, all these things, sleep is so underestimated. So I get it, right? Like we have this tendency to think we're fine. Yeah. Focus then on the quality of the sleep and do what you can to get a little more than five, please. (laughs) Um, But so when we think about the quality of our sleep and what's happening, right? And we've heard so much about it with blue light, but I have to bring it up because so Clearly, you guys can tell I'm a big believer in understanding why, right? Because I think the difference between knowing something and actually doing the things about it is understanding why, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah, we can hear all the time, blue light's bad, you know, wear the glasses, turn your phone off, blah, blah, blah. But really what's happening? Why is that a problem, right? right. right? So our sleep-wake cycles are based on a circadian rhythm, which is very much connected to light, right? So again, going back to caveman times, that would be sunlight. So we'd wake up when the sun rises and then it gets dark and we go to sleep, right? Now we have light all the time if we want it. The crazy thing about blue light, think back to like seventh grade science. Remember the light spectrum, right? Roy G. Biv. (laughs) (laughs) So blue light on the light spectrum is like the closest to daylight. So what happens when we're staring at phone, tablet, TV, any screen, any blue light, especially before bed, our eyes are getting daylight signals, Mm -hmm. which means our neurotransmitters, our brain chemicals, the ones that are supposed to, right? We have excitatory and inhibitory neurotransmitters. The excitatory ones we want during the day, we want those to wake us up. The inhibitory ones we want at night so that we can fall asleep, right? And the thing about neurotransmitters is that it's like a seesaw. They can't all be high at the same time. So if something's high, it's, you know, counterpoint, right, is going to be low. So if we're getting those daylight signals, our brain is going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm supposed to be awake, Mm -hmm. but I'm tired. So I need to turn on all of these excitatory neurotransmitters. I need to turn off all of the inhibitory neurotransmitters. And you know what else I need? Food. Because I need fuel if I am going to be awake right now. Mm-hmm. Right? So cravings at night, <laughs> nighttime eating, stay away from the screens, right? We want to go to bed at a decent time. And like, look, I am a TV junkie. 
full disclosure, <laughs> if we could just do start with a half hour, work our way up to like an hour before bed. Mm-hmm. So like if you want to read before bed, cool. But like you got to get a paper book. Right. Or a magazine or something that's not on a device to right. read. Right. You know, start to turn the lights down at home in the evening, you know, so that we're starting to send those signals to our body that it's time to get tired. Mm-hmm. Right. Take a shower before you go to bed. What that will do is it draws the blood basically to the surface of our body, which lowers our core body temperature, which helps us fall into sleep. Mm-hmm. Make sure the temperature in your room is cool enough. You know, all these little things don't take a lot of effort, but can help improve the quality and the quantity of our sleep. Mm-hmm. So that was really long-winded, but that's the five that path factors. Good. That's and awesome. What to do. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, and that my follow-up question was going to be, what are some tangible things? But you listed <laughs> them right there. So that's, I mean, that's perfect. It's like, just go take action on all of that. That was so perfect. And I agree with all of that. I think the sleep thing for me and the, my clients, it's usually the sleep and the water are so underestimated. People don't understand how yep. much a difference of a difference it makes when they're getting enough water and when they're getting, like you're saying, quality and quantity of sleep. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's totally transformational and, and super underestimated because a lot of people are surviving off of, you know, less than optimal sleep. And they're like, Oh, I'm fine. You know? And, and that's the thing, like our bodies are amazing. Right. Totally. They'll adjust. Yeah. They adapt. Mm -hmm. They figure out how to survive. Yep. But it catches up to us at some point. Exactly. Right? It's exactly. why we have symptoms, illness, and disease. Right, right. right. So we and, think we're fine in the moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it shows up later. Yeah, totally. And when it's like one of those things, like I, I'm an FDN, FDNP, and we talk about that where it's like people, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the illustration of like the wellness meter and people wait until they're on this yep. side of it when they're already feeling these symptoms. It's already, well, why not we take care of ourselves before you ever feel the symptoms? Like. Yep. And that's what happens. You're like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And you just keep going and going and going. And like you're saying, it's going to catch up to you eventually. And the way so I have another company that we're working on and it's sort of focused on the pain system, right? Mm -hmm. And treatments for pain and whatever. But so the way we talk about it, and I think it fits into what you were just saying, your ER, like, so if you have sort of like waterfalls, right? Mm -hmm. Like you think of like Niagara Falls or like these Mm -hmm. big waterfalls. At the top of the waterfall, there's often like spinning water, mm-hmm. right? Before it like goes over the edge. Your ER doctor is trying to pull the people out of the water after they fall, mm-hmm. right? Your primary care doctor is up in that whirlpool part going, don't fall over, don't fall over, don't <laughs> fall over the edge, right? We are going all the way upstream to say, what made you get in the water? <laughs> so it's weird. Yeah. It feels like in this moment, why are we even having this conversation? I'm fine. Right. You're in the water already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, I love that. And that is like the perfect analogy for that. Well, cause yeah, that's the goal, right? It's like being proactive and being preventative and all of those words we want to say to before you get to the point where it's like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, and I really do love all of those, the five factors that you had there, because I think that really encompasses all of it. And that's taking care of all of those, addressing all of those is really that like preventative, proactive, you know, care that we need to take for ourselves, addressing those five things. 
I have one question that I like to end with, but before I ask that, I do want to ask, where can people find you? Yeah. All social media places. I'm at Jen Trepek, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. The podcast is Salad with a Side of Fries. So wherever you like to listen, we're there. Website is asaladwithasideoffries.com. And I know it's a holiday season. Like you don't have to wait for January. Like let's have a conversation. I'll do this. I'll offer you guys a complimentary discovery call so we can chat and see what's going on. So I'll send you a link that you can yeah. put in the show notes for Yeah, that. perfect. That'd be great. Yeah, and I'll put all the other links there too as well. That'd be awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so the question I like to end with, I like to ask everybody is, what do you think is the most important thing you can do to live with purpose? So my gut instinct response <laughs> was intention. And really, that's just, it's in everything. It's sort of a, like, and I started to second guess it, right? Because I'm like, well, isn't that the same thing as living with purpose and whatever? But I just think it's about being intentional about the things we do and recognizing that everything we do and don't do (laughs) is a reflection of what's important Mm -hmm. and what we really believe and what we really want. And so I also say to everybody, like, if you ever say I can't, right, I can't do something, I can't fit it in, I can't find the time, I can't do this reframe that and say, I'm not willing to Mm -hmm. X, Y, or Z. And if that doesn't feel right, then we're living outside of our purpose. We're living outside of that intention and we got to figure out how to fit it in. That's great. I, yeah, I love it. Intention. That's a good word. I like it. Love it. Thank you so much for this, Jen. This was awesome. This was like super informative. I loved all of the, I loved it all. Lots of good tangible takeaways. (laughs) Yeah. This was super enlightening. I know people are going to get lots of good stuff out of this. And so thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. All of this and more at Salad with a Side of Fries. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Go check it out, y'all. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.